My name is Jamie Atkinson, founder of podcastclosing.com, and this show is built for six and seven figure entrepreneurs with podcasts who are looking to grow and scale their customer acquisition using that show. If you're a six or a seven figure entrepreneur with a podcast and you want to get featured on this show to talk about your own podcast journey, go to top100interview.com. Now over to your glamorous host, Brittany Chaterbock, and don't forget to subscribe for daily interview content. Hey guys, welcome back to the Six Figure Podcast Rebels. We have a super exciting guest coming on today. Can't wait to share everything she's done with you guys. Uh, this is going to be great. So the guest I'm bringing on, Kelsa Dickey. With a bachelor's degree in finance, earned the she also earned the appropriate license licenses to practice as a financial advisor and then did so for three years. Then she went back to school and earned her MBA and began working in the corporate finance and accounting for the next seven years. After that, she realized it was time to leave the corporate America and start a new career as a financial coach. Kelsa is now the owner and CEO of Fiscal Fitness. She's also the host of Fiscal Fitness Podcast, showing people every day how creating a plan with their money is the fastest way to achieve any goal that they have. So excited for today. Thanks for jumping on, Kelsa. How's it going? Good. Thank you, Brittany, for having me. I'm excited. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, you have a really awesome story and I think it's a great time right now. If you're open to diving into it a little bit deeper and giving us your background and, and tell us your story and how you got to where you are, because what you're doing is amazing. And, you know, I, I just would love to share it with the people listening before we really jump into any questions and talk about, you know, the podcast and your business and everything like that. Yeah. So I am a financial coach. And like you said, the name of my business is fiscal fitness, but it started a long time ago, but I sort of, it took me a long time to figure out how to do the work that I love to do. Um, when I was in middle school, I saw my mom file bankruptcy and I was young enough that I didn't really know what bankruptcy meant. I just knew that it wasn't a good thing. And I knew that she was stressed about money and that kind of thing. And I just learned at a really young age that money has the power to affect our lives. And that can either be in a good way or a bad way, but it is going to play a role in, you know, the way we live and the choices we make and the opportunities we have and that kind of thing. And so I went to school and I got my degree in finance and became a financial advisor, like you were saying. And I thought like, I want to help people with their money. This is going to be amazing. This is my passion. And a client would come in as an advisor who, you know, wanted help with asset allocation, diversification. And I would be like, wah, wah, like, okay, I guess. And then a client would come in the next day and say, okay, we've got some credit card debt and we want to figure out how to get out of debt. And I'd be like, yes, let's go. Let's roll up our sleeves. And I would be like, so excited. And this was back in 2003. So back then fee-based planning really wasn't a thing like it is today. Uh, there were a couple of advisors who were fee-based that, you know, all eyes were sort of on them to sort of see if it was going to work. Was it going to be successful for them? But for the most part, it was really commission-based only, which meant I didn't get paid to help people get out of debt or to like spend right. hours with them sort of sorting through where their money was going every day and every week and that kind of thing. But it was actually the part that I loved. Uh, so I had like a quarter life crisis because I was still really young and I had gone into financial advising thinking that it was going to be a dream come true for me and that I was going to love it. And when I didn't, I didn't really know what to do, you know? And I think I was just naive at that age with this idea that like money 
is just one part, but really there's so many different aspects of money. So there's the investments and insurance and sort of protecting all of your assets, which is what a lot of advisors do, which is very, very needed. But then there is the part of money, which is just like, what do you have in your checking account today? What are you doing with it? How do you know if what you're doing with it really adds value to your life and that kind of thing, which is more of like the day-to-day part of money. And that's right. the part of money that I really love working with. Um, but I didn't know how to do that, you know? And so I went into corporate accounting and as I was in corporate accounting, I would just help people randomly. So, you know, coworkers, they'd be stressed at work, talking about money, complaining, that kind of thing. And I would just say, Hey, why don't you come over after work? I'll see what I can do to help you. And I just sort of had this hobby, if you will, of budgeting. Like that's really what my hobby was for a long time. And then there was one day, I remember it like it was yesterday. I was driving home from work after probably a 12 hour day. I was exhausted. I was burnt out. I remember feeling like I had given it all that I had. And yet I knew I'd go to work the next day and still have like a mound of work that I needed to get done. And I just felt exhausted. And then a client came over that night and we're sitting at my dining room table and I helped them. And then they left after an hour. And after that hour, I felt invigorated and energized and excited. And I just like thought, what the hell am I doing all day? Like, this is really what I was meant to do. Like when I became an advisor, this was the part of money I wanted to help with, but I didn't really know how to do that. Um, and so my husband and I spent about a year planning and that's when we came up with the name fiscal fitness. I've always been big into health and fitness. I've always loved working out. I've always been an athlete of some, some kind. So I do powerlifting now. So fitness has always been a big part of my life. Um, but so has finance and they really are very similar, you know, like the skills you use in one is very similar to the skills you use in another. And a lot of the analogies are the same. And so Fiscal fitness was the name that we came up with and really helping people get in shape financially was my mission. And about a year later, I left corporate America and said goodbye to it. And I remember we had like a one-year plan and we had like a plan B and a plan C and, and, you know, I don't come from like a family of entrepreneurs, so I didn't know if we would be successful at this. Like I, I joke that we sort of assumed I would fail at it. And that's why we had a plan B and a plan C right, right. and why we had a one-year runway. Um, I never dreamed that it would be sort of as successful as it has become. But then also I, I just knew at the time that my fear of failure was not as great as my fear of regret. Like I thought to myself, if I don't do this, I will always question whether or not I should have tried this for myself. And so my fear of regret was just really strong. And so even though I wondered if I would fail or if I could be an entrepreneur and that kind of thing, I just knew that I had to try. Love it. I love how you mentioned fear of regret being like stronger than your fear of failing. And that is so many things. I, I, so many people out there think like, you know, they're so afraid of failing that they're too scared to take that leap of faith and jump into it. And I think it's so important for people to, you know, push that aside just as you did and take that fear of regret and place it a little bit higher and say, you know, if you don't do this, how, how badly are you going to regret it? What if it does work out? What about all the opportunities that could come from it? What, what doors are going to open from it? What if it does work out? Like, don't focus on what if it doesn't, you know? Um, so that's huge. Yeah. And I realized that the entire process that we went through sort of planning for my exodus from corporate America. And I was the breadwinner at the time. So sort of like walking away from that stable paycheck and like those types of things, but everything we did to line us up to be ready for that financially is essentially what I help 
people with people every now. day now. So like helping them prepare for various outcomes and get a plan in place so they feel in control of those decisions so that they can see very clearly the decision in front of them. They have a plan for it. They've got a runway, like all sorts of things. And it was just something that I've, I've been, always been able to do very naturally. Um, right. And I do think one of the things that I think as business owners, we have to be careful of is sometimes we take the things that we're naturally good at. And if we're not careful, we devalue them because they're so easy for us. We assume that they're easy for everybody else, right? Like right. that's the way our, my right. brain works. And so it's easy to assume that like, well, everybody can do that. Um, but I just quickly realized that sort of like thinking really critically about money and coming from a place with like a healthy mindset around money and all those types of things is not easy for everybody. Um, and so I feel very blessed every day that I get to sort of use my craft to help others. Absolutely. It is a blessing for sure. And I'm so happy to hear that you're able to do something that you're very passionate about finally, you know, and rock at it. So this is amazing. Congratulations. Of course, of course. So um, tell me, right, I, I guess you've already kind of touched on where you're at right now in your business. Now, what is your main focus right now? What are you focusing on at the moment with the business? Yeah, we have a couple of things. So we, um, we really only provide one-to-one financial coaching. So this is one of those things that, you know, I've been doing this for 14 years now, and it's certainly changed over that time. Uh, I do think it's really important as a business owner, you have to continuously find ways to sort of fall in love with the work you're doing and discover new ways of keeping it fresh and asking yourself, like, what will bring me joy with this work? And I started doing one-to-one coaching and then for a little while we had a group coaching program where we would get people together to talk about money and share their ideas and strategies and stuff with one another. But we ultimately went back to -to one-to-one coaching and everything we do is really customized, which is why I think the one-to-one model works best. Um, You know, we don't believe there's like one way to manage your money that works for everybody. We really do try to like coach the whole person on like, you know, some people, thrive, for example, with a lot of specificity and a lot of detail. And they want to know like where every dollar goes. And other people are like, if you, if I had to know where every dollar goes, I would just abandon the, the, the strategy or the process, right? Like I don't care that much. And so our job is really to create whatever system and strategies are going to get that person the most excited about their money that we possibly can create for them. Because our theory is that, and we've tested this over the years, that it doesn't matter how good a plan or a strategy looks on paper or in an Excel spreadsheet, because most of those don't take into account the enthusiasm or the buy-in from the person. And one thing right. that we have seen to be true is that if a person is really bought into that plan, it's going to happen even better than what it ha- looks like on paper, right? Right. And when they really believe and value it. Yeah, exactly. When they know why it's what's best for them and they feel empowered by it and that kind of thing. Um, And conversely, if a person's not excited about it or they're questioning it or they're hesitating, like it doesn't matter if it is the one on paper that looks the smartest financially, it's not going to happen that way. And so it's going to end up looking worse. And so really sort of like getting the client enthusiastic and excited about their money is like our, our focus all the time. Like that's just what we want to do. Exactly. So we do a couple of different things. Um, we do have a podcast, like you were saying, the fiscal fitness podcast, and then we're actually in the process of, uh, developing a TV series. Actually, we've been invited to do a TV show for, that, oh, a- that is so exciting. Oh, thank you. Wow. Thank you. 
we can't share the name Mm -hmm. of the, um, we can't share the network yet. So it's not, it'll, it'll go live on like November 15th. And at that point we can actually say the name of the network and that kind of thing. But we've got the, the first four episodes have already been recorded. We're pretty pumped about that. Um, they're looking really good. So it's going to be a weekly TV show. Uh, we essentially go, the first episode is we walk around a gym and we ask fitness people, a question about their fitness and then a question about their money. That's very similar. And it's kind of like man on the street style where you just kind of walk around and ask strangers questions and record their answers. Right. And then the second episode, we pull one of those people and we actually coach them on that question around their money and, and help apply the analogies to their fitness and that kind of thing. And then the third episode, I tackle the mindset elements of that particular topic with money. So sort of like the cultural messaging, where those ideas come from, where those thoughts come from, how we can reframe them and that kind of thing. And then the fourth episode is all about the strategy or the actions you can take. So sort of the really tactical type things on that particular money topic. So we're really going to cover that one topic over four episodes from like all these different perspectives. And then the second set of four episodes, we'll do it again, but we're going to do it on a different topic kind of thing. And then throughout all the season. So, oh my gosh. And how long is the season? It'll be about six months. So it'll be from November to April. So a little bit like little, over I five am months. so excited. I'm so excited Thank to watch you. this TV show. Oh my gosh. Oh, I'm so excited. So November 15th, I'm going to send you a message. I know you'll be probably okay. busy. <laughs> yeah, we're super you. excited. Yeah. <laughs> but we're super wow. excited. That is incredible. Oh, I'm so excited for you. Thank you for Thank sharing you. that part. That is so yeah, exciting. Of course. So, you know, I know that you touched on you know, finding ways to stay passionate um, with the business that you're doing over the years. Do you mind diving in a little bit deeper in some of the ways that you have, you know, reminded yourself how to, be, you know, continue to see, stay passionate, you know, through the ups and downs and stuff like that? Um, yeah. Tell me a little bit about how you have done that. Yeah. I think one of the things I love about being an entrepreneur is just the growth journey that we take as being an entrepreneur. I mean, I feel like it, you're always growing, you're learning like how much you grow as a person. I heard really early on in business. And I think this is a really good takeaway is that your business will only grow to the extent that you do. And I love that. And so I feel like whether it's you know, your mindset or the way you feel, I mean, we're just, as the business grows and changes, we will also grow and change and vice versa. And so what brings you joy in your business after two years may not bring you joy anymore. Right. Or it may just start to feel monotonous or stuck or something like that. And so I think at first I would maybe feel guilty about that or feel like maybe I was doing something wrong. And I, and now I've just learned to embrace it a little bit. So as soon as things start to feel a little stagnant, or I just start to feel like I don't have that enthusiasm to like show up every day and like do the thing, then right. I will ask myself, like, what's that all about? Like, where is that coming from? Is there, is it a particular area of the business that's not bringing me joy anymore? Is it a particular task? Is it, you know, certain conversations I'm having that maybe just aren't aren't my passion anymore. Um, and one of the things that I do is every about three times a year, I do a self-imposed CEO retreat for myself. So it's two nights usually. Yeah. I, I go stay, sometimes it's in a hotel, sometimes it's an Airbnb, you know, sometimes it's just local, like right up the street from my house. And other times it's like, you know, a long drive away and I'm going up into the mountains or something. Um, but it's usually two nights 
And I just use that time. I'm by myself. I disconnect completely from social media and that kind of thing. And I just let myself reflect and think about the business. I think about where I'm going as a person, sort of where my life is going, my family and where the business is going. And I just allow myself to dream about the business and reflect on sort of what's working, what's not working. What are the parts I love thinking about? What are the parts that sort of like weigh me down or bog me down? And it really, I feel like it's the time that I need in order to think about the business and sort of get out of the weeds of things and just allow myself time to just think about the bigger picture of how the business reflects my life and vice versa and how they all play together. And that time has been instrumental in just sort of identifying what parts of the business I don't enjoy anymore and like how I can change them. And it keeps me it keeps it fresh. So instead of it being like, I'm reacting to it, it's like, if I do that every four months, I'm usually able to stay ahead of things pretty, pretty well, which I think is why I love my business probably more today than I did 14 years ago when I first launched it. Amazing. I think that is such a solution for people relating to this right now, because I'm, I know that there's going to be listeners relating to that hundred percent. And the fact that you just go for yourself and, and literally disconnect and reflect and, and dream again and, to have that disconnection from everything takes a little bit off your plate at the moment. And then you're able to refresh and re, uh, re-energize, right? So yeah. love that. And I think that's such Thank a great you. solution. And I just want to talk on the financial aspect of it for a second, because yeah. I guess I'm a financial coach and I know some people are thinking like that's a cost and it's not going to make you money and that kind of thing. I absolutely consider this an investment in the business that in has yourself. made me so much more money over time. And it it might not be possible to see a direct correlation between like either greater revenue coming in or better profits or something like that. But I can see a direct relation to how I feel about the business and how I show up and like, what price can you place on that? And then I know that if I'm more excited and if I show up better and I'm happier with what I'm doing, then there is no doubt in my mind that that directly impacts you know, the money we're bringing in, the way we serve our clients, the creativity I feel and that kind of thing. So I absolutely consider it a cost that is like a line item on my business budget, something that I invest in because it's sort of a non-negotiable. Absolutely. There, and I, I, I really don't believe you can put a price on investing in yourself if it's going to um, move you to the next level, right? And really gr- like help you in one way. Or, it's like, honestly, so many people... And, uh, until they're an entrepreneur and stuff, they, they don't see the value in investing in yourself once in a while, if it's going to help the business, if it's going to help your mindset, whether that's coaching or a book or, you know, and I think it is so important to, and that's what, um, I think everybody should be doing. Honestly, honestly, invest in yourself. I totally agree. Value yourself enough. I, you know, I can think of a few like pivotal moments in business over these last 14 years. And one of them is when I figured out that investing in myself and my own growth and that kind of thing was just essential to business growth. Like as soon as I sort of realized that and started putting my money behind it, that was when, you know, everything changed and like the business really started to take off. Incredible. I love it. Oh, I, this is something that I want to start doing for myself. I mean, I travel a lot, but to actually disconnect when I'm doing it and, and be on my own for it, what a difference I think it would make. Then it's not as draining. I mean, it's always exciting traveling, but 
really just go and disconnect on my own and, and, and energize and everything else like you do and refocus on your goals and, you know, what you can change and what you're not liking and what you are loving. And this is such a great idea. I'm so happy you brought that up. Thank you. Yeah. It's been a game changer. Absolutely. So tell me about, you know, we kind of touched on this before the pre, uh, in the pre-interview learning and taking action. Do you want to touch on that just a little bit? Because I think you have some great insight on that. Yeah. So I would say that I am a recovering control enthusiast. So I don't like to call myself a control freak because I don't think that sounds very nice, but, uh, I definitely was a control enthusiast and I like to sort of plan a few steps out. I like to sort of know what's coming. I do think that that is one of those skills that makes me really good for my clients. But I do think as an entrepreneur, it was a hindrance because you can't control everything. Things can't be perfect when you launch them. And actually the the process of taking action, you learn so much through taking action. And I think sometimes we want to learn everything before we launch or before we create something new. And we want to have it all perfect before we launch it. And I think I've tried to um, adapt this idea of messy action, that it doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't always have to be pretty. And that I will, I can improvise. I, I trust myself to be able to pivot if I need to and to resolve anything I need to. And so this idea of like taking action, even when it's not perfect um, and knowing that I have plenty of time to refine it and perfect it over time that I don't need to have it perfect right away. Right. Right. Yeah. It's so true. Like it's like learning as you go, right. You have to do it and then figure out what, how you can pivot next time here and there. And yeah, I like that. Mm -hmm. I used to think that you would like learn and then take action. And then I think I've just really embraced this idea that you learn while taking action, that they're not two separate sort of activities. Um, and so, yeah, it's been really helpful, but certainly our podcast and, you know, some of our endeavors, like you learn things the hard way. So you sort of launch it and then you learn some mistakes you've made over time. And you're like, Oh God, what was I thinking? I didn't, but I didn't know that at the time. And really just telling yourself, like I did the best that I could with the information I knew at the time. And I'm doing the best I can with what I know today. And I just know more today than I did when I first launched or something like that. Absolutely. That's perfectly well said hundred percent. Like, you know, and I know with the people listening, you know, with the podcast and everything, a lot of people that I've interviewed in the past have all agreed that, you know, they tried to make it perfect before releasing an episode and, you know, just the perfectionism and, you know, would it would avoid posting or starting it just because they wanted it to be perfect. Right. And I felt kind of the same way as well, but you know what, it's just jumping in, diving in. You don't have to know everything right now. You'll learn as you go and just taking that action and diving in. Nobody's perfect. And honestly, everyone feels the same about podcasts. I think when they start and business, same thing. Right. So yeah, you can always change it. Right. So like the way you're doing, it doesn't have to be that way forever. You can change just about anything. Exactly. So let's jump into a a talk about your podcast. Um, Tell me a little bit more about it. And, you know, I know you touched on when you started it and everything like that. But if you don't mind just going over that one more time, when did you start? What your intentional actions behind it? And uh, how's it going so far? 
Yeah. So the fiscal fitness podcast, uh, is many, many years old now. So, um, we, when we first started it, it was my husband and I, who's also my business partner. So he coaches as well, along with some of the the other coaches that we have on our team. And uh, we started it and it was called the saver and the spender. And the focus at that time was I'm a saver and he's a spender. And so all the episodes were about sort of how we both think differently, but how we communicate together to make decisions together, even though we sort of come at financial decisions from a very different place and that sort of thing. And that worked for a little while. We did a number of episodes that way. And then we decided as our team was growing and we had more coaches, we decided we wanted them to also have a voice on the podcast. And so we all took turns producing episodes and we had a schedule and that kind of thing. And we've always had the perspective of really deep diving into a particular topic. So not skimming the surface on something. And so our episodes initially were really long. I mean, an hour, hour and 20 minutes, that sort of thing. Um, And what happened over time, we ended up having 120 episodes before we made the switch. But during that time, it slowly became more cumbersome and less enjoyable to produce the amount of content we were producing, really deep dive and like have this like level of depth for every single episode, you know? And it felt very disjointed. So like we didn't have like, you know, a clear strategy for sort of like each episode, how they'd all be connected or anything like that. Each coach would sort of take a topic that they felt inspired to talk about and they would talk about it on the episode. And and it was good in the sense that we had, it was all about money and it was all about personal finance. So I guess there was continuity in that way, but it was, um, I would say one of the mistakes that we made was like way too long of episodes to start. Two was we didn't, we weren't strategic about who the audience was and what the purpose of the message was on the podcast. So what I mean by that is we would have one episode that would be sort of, um, relevant to a person at the start of their financial journey. So somebody who was brand new to thinking that like, maybe I want to do things differently. Maybe I want to manage this better. Maybe I want to stop winging it. Like I have been, you know, that, that person who just recently had the thought of like, I want to do it differently. And then we would have another episode that would be probably a topic that would be more for like a client who worked with us for like a year already. And it was more of an advanced financial strategy. Right. But the idea was like that advanced financial strategy was not for the same person who was brand new to their financial journey. Like the episode before, does that make sense? And so it really felt, it felt like it just hopped around too much. And I feel like because of that, we weren't, um, I, I think we confused the listeners a lot of the times. Right. And I, what we ended up doing. So of course we kind of went back to the drawing board and was like, okay, how do we want to do this? We do like the idea of a podcast. Uh, we think it's a great way to kind of get your message out there to get people results, to influence people, inspire people, that kind of thing. Um, but we just knew that the way we were doing it was not working for us. Like all of us at that point were like, okay, who wants to do an episode? All right. Anybody, anybody. Okay. I guess I'll do it. You know, like that's literally the energy that had formed around it, which was not good. Um, and so we decided a couple of things. One, we clarified that our podcast specifically, and this doesn't have to be the case for everybody, but our podcast specifically was to attract new people to us and help them see what we do, how we help. And like, give them some things that they can be doing to manage their money better when they're brand new. 
right? When they're brand new to sort of managing their money better. We decided to, that the easiest way to connect with those people was not to overwhelm them with like a big deep dive into one topic all in one episode. And so what we did was we broke it down into smaller episodes and we created seasons and that seemed to work really well for us. So like one whole season might be 12 episodes, but it's all going to cover one topic. So you can sort right. of binge all the episodes if you want, but the idea is you can also stop and sort of listen to an episode later if you don't want to listen to them all at one time and that kind of thing. So we actually felt like we could cover the topic more in depth actually than what we yes, were doing before throughout a season. Exactly. And like we that. felt like the transformation we were able to create was greater. So instead of sort of like giving people some results, which were helpful, it was almost like we were able to create a total transformation for a person because of that season was so thorough, if that makes sense. Right. Absolutely. I like that you went about and changed it going to episode, uh, going to into seasons instead with a theme on each season almost, right? Which is definitely a lot easier for the listeners and probably for you guys too. You know, it's exciting. <laughs> so yeah, it, it made it easier to, we, we all felt more inspired. We all okay. felt like the episodes all came together more easily, right? Like we knew right. exactly how to talk about those things. It became easier to produce the material. It came easier to then repurpose the material. So I would say too, that was one of the mistakes we made really early on as well was we didn't have a repurposing strategy. So like once the episode was live, like, what do you do with it? So do you create an audiogram or do you create quote images or where do you share it at? We really, we weren't systematic about that. Uh, we didn't have like a clear process in place, but we, we definitely were able to do that for the seasons where it was like, okay, the season will drop on this date. And then every month from thereafter, here's how we're going to tie back to that season, if that makes sense. Right. So it actually made right. all of our content easier throughout the year as well. That is amazing. Like what a something lifted off your sh uh, shoulders, right? What a huge lift off your chest, probably, you know, to have it all organized like that now. Oh, what a difference major difference. Yeah. And now we're like excited. And now we, you know, say, Oh, next season, we could totally cover that in a new season. Like we actually feel, you can tell the creativity has been sparked, which is awesome. That's perfect. You guys are problem solvers at your best. That is amazing. You know? <laughs> you. Um, yeah, of course. I wanted to ask you, you know, with your podcast now, how does that generate, you know, people coming into the business? Um, I mean, do they come on as guests or do they listen to your podcast and then reach out to you to connect or tell me a little bit about that and how it affects the business more so? Yeah, the first um, new season that we did. So financial coaching is a fairly new profession. A lot of people right. don't understand what it is or what we do or how we help people. And so really the first season was included a lot of that. It was like, get to know us, but also here's how we work with people. We, we shared a lot of client stories, but we shared them. So it wasn't right. the actual client stories themselves or the clients telling their stories. It was us giving examples of here's how we've helped people giving really tangible examples. Because again, I think sometimes people are like, do I need a financial coach? I, I think one common misconception is that financial coaches you help people who are in crisis financially, right? And really the way we describe what we do is that uh, anybody could use a financial coach. Struggling with money doesn't mean that you're struggling to like pay bills. 
struggling with money in our mind means that you aren't putting your money behind creating a life that you are dreaming of creating for yourself. Right. So if you aren't gotcha. doing that with your money, if you aren't using money as a tool to live your best life, then technically that is still financial struggle as well. But even then that's still a pretty general description. And so what we did in the podcast was give very clear examples of business owners, individuals, couples, like they came to us experiencing this. Here's exactly what we did with them step by step by step and the results that they got and sort of how they applied various strategies. Right. So we were able to really give all of those clear examples. So I think that way people were able to one, not feel so intimidated by like this idea of hiring a financial coach. Some people think they need to have their debt paid off before they hire, you know, a financial expert. And like, they try to just overthink it way too much. Um, and also people think that like, we only help with budgeting, let's say, or we only help with getting out of debt. And it's like the things we can cover are so vast. And so that was able to give people some real life, tangible examples of what financial coaching does and also how you can be just more intentional with your money and how easy it is to be intentional with your money. Right. Yeah. And it's, it's super easy, like not to, you know, pay attention to where your money's going and stuff. And honestly, that's why probably, oh, I could be wrong. Correct me if I'm wrong, but you know, not paying attention to that leads to not being able to live the life of your dreams and stuff like that. So I think financial coaching is so important, honestly. And I love that you're using it as a tool, not just to get people out of crisis, but to use it towards building the life of their dreams. Yeah. So, and then I would say too, like so many times people think that they have to go from not paying attention to like overcorrecting. And it's this idea, like they have to know where every dollar goes. And that is certainly every something penny, yeah. there's a lot of messaging around money that we don't subscribe to. And one of those is like, all debt is bad. We don't believe that. We do not believe that all debt is bad. Um, some of our clients use rewards, credit cards extremely effectively, and it's really working for them. And some of our clients don't use credit cards at all. So it's really, again, we don't have sort of a horse in that race. Our job is to help the client make decisions on whatever way is going to be best for them. And then another thing is like this idea where you have to know where every penny goes. And again, we do not subscribe to that either. Like we right. do not believe in like overall restriction and sacrifice and that kind of thing. But those are, that's the messaging that's out there with money. So we were able to use the podcast to let people know that that's not what we stand for. That's not who we are. And we wouldn't want that either. Like I wouldn't want to hire somebody that tells me I have to know where every dollar goes. You know what I mean? Like that. Who would want dreadful. that? Yeah. Right. So the, so we were able to like really just share our perspective and our philosophies and get people bought into those that like, you don't have to overcorrect. You don't have to spend hours every single week managing your money. If you don't want to, that's not what we're talking about here. Absolutely. Well, I love what you guys do. And I love that you're, you know, you stand out, you're unique opposed to anyone else. Uh, a lot of different companies that do kind of the same thing, but they are penny pinching and, you know, where is every dollar going? You guys have a whole different outlook with it. And I think that's incredible and it's very unique. So thank you. Thank you. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I guess based on where you are today, if you wanted to say double or triple your profit and revenue, um, what would be some new changes that you would face? You know, we all know that getting to the next level, there comes new challenges, new, some changes have to be made. Anything that you can think of that you might have to change to get to that, you know, triple or, or double or triple your profit and revenue? 
Yeah, I would say the the focus we've had for the past year, because that is sort of our goal is to do that yeah. is visibility is expanding how many people we are in front of and how many people know that we exist and what we do and sort of believe in our philosophies around money too. And like, they want that for themselves and visibility is I think a big aspect of that. So like the more people you can reach, the more people who will come in the door and the more people you can serve and that kind of thing. So, um, certainly launching the next season of the podcast is up there, the TV series and getting in front of people that way. And then sort of seeing us in action, I think is going to be really helpful. Um, the other thing is getting interviewed on other people's you know, podcasts or YouTube shows or like those types of things uh, is another element. So like getting in front of other people's audiences who we know we can help. So we do a lot of work with um, personal trainers, gym owners, studio owners, those types of places. And we do workshops for the athletes and that sort of thing there as well. Amazing. And yeah, I don't think that's a bad idea either. Just expanding that visibility because like you said, like not a lot of people know about this, right? Or it's not as I guess it's, it's kind of new, right? It's, it's mm -hmm. more new than what we're used to. So this is incredible. And, um, I love what you're doing and how successful you've been with it. It's amazing. So I, I just want to say thank you so much for making the time to jump on this call and share all your, your knowledge with everyone listening and how you can help them. Um, I appreciate it a lot. Thank you so much, Brittany. It's been a pleasure. Absolutely. Now, Kelsa, before you jump off, I just want to ask, you know, the best way to connect with you for the people listening that, you know, maybe want to reach out to you uh, to get help with their, their finances, to use it as a tool to build their dream life. And um, what would be the best way? Yeah, I, there's a few different ways. So I would say, uh, number one is check out the fiscal fitness podcast. So if you want to hear more about what we do and how we help people, that's a great way. Check out season two of the podcast. Um, if you are on Instagram, you can find me at coach Kelsa on Instagram, that's coach and then K E L S a, and I share a lot of my fitness journey, my powerlifting, and then also financial strategies and that sort of thing. So it's a great place to just, um, you know, check us out, follow us, that kind of thing. And then the last way I would say is, is our website. So fiscalfitnessphx.com. So it's fiscal F I S C A L fitness. And then the letters P H X.com. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Kelsa. I appreciate you once again for coming on and I hope to get you on again in the future, just to see how everything's going. Talk about that TV show. How exciting, like congrats. You. you guys are just, yeah, I'm mind blown. This is amazing. And I'm really happy for you guys because, you know, taking that leap of faith isn't always easy and you did it and look what's happened. So just yeah, a reminder for everyone. Mm -hmm. There we go. Just a reminder <laughs> for everyone listening, <laughs> you know, Thank you. so of course, of course, Grip, if you're listening and you know, you're looking for financial coaching, please hit up Kelsa, go to fiscal fitness and connect with her, see what she can do. All right. And if you like, uh, enjoyed the I'm tongue tied you guys. It's the end of the day. <laughs> um, if you enjoyed uh, today's interview, please like and subscribe. And if you'd like to come on just like our lovely Kelsa did today, please go to top100interviews.com and fill out the ap application. We'd love to have you on as well. Thanks, guys. Thanks so much, Kelsa. Catch you on the next episode. Bye. 
Hey everyone, I hope you really enjoyed that episode. As always, if you want to listen to more daily interview content, make sure you subscribe. And here's three ways I can help you in your business for free. One, check out my video on how we're building a pipeline that produces 30 plus prime sales calls every single week using podcast setters and a basic interview funnel. And this is actually how I was able to quit social media forever. You can go to podcastrebels.com forward slash setters. Two, if you're a six or a seven figure entrepreneur with a podcast, we actually want to interview you on one of our top 100 shows. Head to top100interview.com and then three, download our podcast closing formula. It shows you how to create a podcast sales team that books out your sales calendar each week using the podcast closing client attraction method. And you can go to podcastrebels.com forward slash podcast formula. Now at podcastclosing.com, we help six and seven figure entrepreneurs with podcasts create a system for predictable client acquisition without relying on paid advertising or social media by building out podcast sales teams. Now, if you want help turning your podcast into a high ticket client acquisition machine, then book a call with our team to see how we can help. Go to podcastrebels.com forward slash chat. All right, guys, we'll see you in the next interview.